Hello and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies with your speaker, Chris McCann. If you'd like more information or to hear more studies, visit our website at www.ebiblefellowship.com. And now, with your evening Bible study, here's Chris McCann. Good evening and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Bible Study in the Book of Genesis. Tonight is study number 21 of Genesis chapter 8. We're going to begin reading in verse 13. And it came to pass in the 600th and first year, in the first month, the first day of the month, the waters were dried up from off the earth. And Noah removed the covering of the ark, and looked, and behold, the face of the ground was dry. And in the second month, on the seven and twentieth day of the month, was the earth dried. And God spake unto Noah, saying, Go forth of the ark, thou and thy wife, and thy sons, and thy sons' wives with thee. Bring forth with thee every living thing that is with thee, of all flesh, both of fowl, and of cattle, and of every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth, that they may breed abundantly in the earth, and be fruitful and multiply upon the earth. And Noah went forth, and his sons, and his wife, and his sons' wives with him, every beast, every creeping thing, and every fowl, and whatsoever creepeth upon the earth, after their kinds, went forth out of the ark. And I'll stop reading there. Um, in our last study, we were looking at the word covering in verse 13. Towards the end of the verse, it says, Noah removed the covering of the ark. And we saw that this word that is used about 14 times in the Old Testament, and it's used 13 other times in association with the tabernacle that God had Moses build for carrying the ark or or for the worship of God during their wilderness sojourn. And then later, afterwards, when Israel entered into the promised land, the tabernacle remained in Shiloh for a period of time, and and that was the place of worship. But we saw that the covering for the tabernacle was made of animal skin. Let's take a look at Exodus chapter 39, beginning in verse 33. It says, And they brought the tabernacle unto Moses, the tent, and all his furniture, his tashes, his boards, his bars, and his pillars, and his sockets, and the covering of ram skins dyed red, and the covering of badger skins, and the veil of the covering. Now it's interesting that these skins, the ram skins, were dyed red. That red's the color of blood. And we already discussed how the animal skin covering required the death of the animal. The animal had to be slain. Its blood had to be shed in order to obtain the skin. And this provided the covering over the tabernacle. And this, in all likelihood, since the same Hebrew word that is used to describe the covering of the ark is used 13 other times Again, in connection with the tabernacle, it was in the wilderness, and there God goes into detail 
and gives us the specifics of what it was made of. So I think it's pretty sure that the covering for the ark was likewise made of animal skins. It would have made it flexible. It would be something that Noah could remove when it was necessary, as he's doing at this point. The same word is used in Exodus chapter 40, beginning in verse 17. And it came to pass in the first month, in the second year, on the first day of the month, that the tabernacle was reared up. And Moses reared up the tabernacle and fastened his sockets and set up the boards thereof and put in the bars thereof and reared up his pillars. And he spread abroad the tent over the tabernacle and put the covering of the tent above upon it as Jehovah commanded Moses. Now, uh, what's interesting is the date that the uh, tabernacle is being reared up. In Exodus 40, verse 17, it came to pass in the first month, in the second year, that would be the second year after coming out of Egypt, on the first day of the month that the tabernacle was reared up. Now, why is that significant? Well, Genesis 8, verse 13, it came to pass in the 601st year, in the first month, the first day of the month, the waters were dried up from off the earth, and Noah removed the covering of the ark and looked, and behold, the face of the ground was dry. It, it's um, the same date of the first day of the first month when the tabernacles reared up, the coverings on, and in the case of the flood account, um, the first day of the first month, the covering, which is the same word that's only used elsewhere in association with the tabernacle. Now, I don't fully understand why God is giving us um, this information about the date, but it, it's obvious that there's a relationship. There is a tie-in. The word directs us there, and we find that it is established. Now, let's go back to the question, why is Noah removing the covering of the ark? Again, the ark is a representation of deliverance, of refuge, of salvation. And many things in the ark, the pitch, identifies with the atonement. The ship itself, that vessel, is a picture of God's salvation of his elect. Even this covering the idea of animal skins covering over the ark fits in perfectly that there has to be the shedding of blood as all the Old Testament sacrifices were the slaying of animals, the shedding of their blood to typify there needed to be bloodshed for sin, the blood of the Messiah, of the Lord Jesus Christ, the atonement that Christ made on behalf of his people. We can clearly see that picture, but why remove it? The covering, um, Christ's righteousness that protected all the inhabitants of the ark, if you remove the covering, isn't that sort of uh, an illustration or a picture of, of the removal of Christ's righteousness? Well, no. I think 
the key is that this word is used again in regard to the tabernacle. And the tabernacle was a temporary dwelling place for God. The tabernacle in the wilderness, and yes, it made it into the promised land. It was situated in Shiloh for a time, but it was temporary until David made provision and Solomon built God a house. And then the tabernacle was no longer used. And it points to the temporary nature of God's people dwelling in this world and God dwelling with them as he is with his people. He has told us he will never leave us nor forsake us. And so, all the while God's people are in the world, they have a need for the covering of Christ. That protection, they need a place of refuge, a a hiding place from the storm. But that's in this world, and this is where the danger is, Once, though, the judgment is complete, once God has finished pouring out his wrath, then the need for the protection and to be hidden is only a need that lasts while there is a threat. Once the threat passes, well, then you can um, remove the covering, just as shortly they're going to come out of the ark and step out onto dry ground. Uh, So, uh, again, we could say, well, since the ark represents Christ and deliverance and refuge, are they losing deliverance or or no? It's just the picture is developing and the spiritual illustration is changing to where God is indicating the danger, the awful threat of judgment day has passed. And so this is an early indicator here when Noah removes the covering of the ark and looked and behold the face of the ground was dry. That's a key too. The water of God's wrath has gone away. The face of the ground is dry. And so there's no longer any need for this animal skins covering for this protection from the wrath of God. The wrath of God has been appeased. It's been satisfied. And and the waters have abated. They have gone down. Well, it goes on to say in verse 14, And in the second month, on the seven and twentieth day of the month, was the earth dry. We looked at the word dried. In an earlier study, we saw this word in Verse 14 is 3001. It's a word that identifies with the dried up water of the Red Sea or the dried up water of Jordan. And again, it points to the removal of the wrath of God. And the only way the wrath of God is removed in a terrible judgment like this is it has accomplished its purpose. God's wrath has meted out sufficiently the measure into the cup, and it has been given to the unsaved inhabitants of the earth and 
So now it's done. It's finished. God's wrath is not as the church has thought, unending, unlimited, merciless, just um, forever and ever punishing and pouring out wrath that where there is no end to it and God just keeps beating and beating and, and whipping and applying stripes. No, that's contrary to the law of God, the Bible. The law in Deuteronomy chapter 25 tells us that you may, a judge presenting sentence, may give 40 stripes and not exceed. There, there's a limit. There's a boundary concerning wrath. And, and so God poured out his wrath 15 cubits above the highest mountain of that day and destroyed everything with the breath of life outside of the ark. And it was accomplished. It was finished. It was done. And then the waters receded and decreased to the point where now it's dry. Uh, you know, this is a completely restructured earth. As God has dried up the floodwaters, there was a lot of new water that rained down upon the earth. There's evidence, it, and it, it may be needful for us to uh, to understand this or or to realize this, that God brought the earth into the path of deep space clouds that provided enormous amounts of new water in order to get the water level 15 cubits above the highest mountain. Now, we should understand that the mountains prior to the flood were, in all probability, much lower. The highest mountain would have been much lower than our mountains today. And after the flood, or maybe even during the flood and after the flood, God worked and operated in raising the mountains, and he engaged in mountain building to make the mountains higher, and he lowered the sea basins in order to handle all the excess water that that had fallen upon the earth. Now, at this point, all of the water has receded to the new limits, the new boundaries for the oceans, and the oceans are much deeper than they were previously, and all the water that was on the dry land has decreased. The geographical map would have been changed in many ways, but the dry land was dry now. There was no water on it. The water, again, returned to the oceans, and and so when Noah and his family and the animals reached this point of the 27th day of the second month, it's an official declaration, all is dry, and really, spiritually, it is a declaration that God's wrath is over and done with. And, you know, today, at this time, we're living in the day of judgment. The wrath of God is upon the world. It's upon the unsaved inhabitants of the earth. Even God's elect are appearing before his judgment seat. There is furious anger 
being poured out on the world and on its subjects. And we, we just can't imagine a time when this wrath will be gone, but it will be gone. The wrath of God will be removed. It will be taken away because it will have again finished what it was sent forth to do. It will have meted out the necessary punishment that the law demanded, and then it will be no more. No more, Revelation tells us, there's no more curse, no more sea, as the sea points to the wrath of God. It, it, it's over and done with once this world and this heaven has passed away and the new world and the new heaven arrive. And that's the picture here. And we can also know that that's the picture because of the date that we're given as we know, the flood began on the 17th day of the second month in Noah's 600th year. This date is the 27th day of the second month of his 601st year. And as we've looked at the dates and the timeline, especially the 150-day period, where God tells us it was the 17th day of the second month until the 17th day of the seventh month, we can really only come to the conclusion that each month was 30 days. That was apparently the calendar they were using at that time, in the time of Noah. And when when I try, and, and anyone could try this, to just use the, um, the lunar monthly figure of 29.530, and, and you, you use that start date of the 17th day of the second month, and you go to the 17th day of the seventh month, you do not come up with 150 days. It's only when you have 30-day months that you arrive at 150. So, since that particular stretch of time was being counted out uh, with 30 days each month, we continue and uh, throughout the other dates were given. And when we do so, we find that the 27th day of the second month is exactly 370 days from the start of the flood, that 17th day of the second month. It's 370 days later, and that breaks down very neatly to 10 times 37. 10, the number of completeness, 37, another number in the Bible that relates to judgment, just like the number 23. 10 times 37 points to the complete judgment. And that's exactly what we see with the official declaration that the earth is dry. The earth has dried. And it's on this day that God says, as he does in verse 15 and following, And God spake unto Noah, saying, Go forth of the ark, thou and thy wife and thy sons and thy sons' wives with thee. That This is the wonderful day, the glorious day, the day the people of God um, throughout centuries and, and millennium have been looking forward to the day where God fulfills his promise. 
yes, historically it's not the day, but what it points to spiritually is that day. The day of the fulfillment of the promise given to Abraham and to Isaac and to Jacob and to all the seed of Abraham, Christ and all that are counted for the seed in him. All of God's elect have received that promise of an everlasting land to be our eternal home, our possession. We will inherit the earth, as the New Testament puts it. And it, it is what is in view here, because the judgment has been completed. The end of the world has come. The finality of God's judgment program has worked itself out, and it's over and done with, and now comes the day of glory, the the day of entering into the new heaven and the new earth, and God spake, and that's exactly what we can expect to occur on the last day of this world's existence. God will speak He will break the barrier of the supernatural once again, and he will reveal himself with the destruction of this creation, with the destruction of all that have rebelled against him, and with the exaltation of his people that are in the grave and that are alive and and living on the earth at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ at that last day the fulfillment of his coming, since his coming began on May 21, 2011, and all will be lifted up. There will be the rising up into the new heaven and earth, into spiritual reality, the kingdom of God that has always existed, but has existed on another level, another plateau, in another realm of being that uh, man has not had access to except by faith, but now it's all changed. Everything will be different. What we know today, things of this life will no longer be brought to mind or into remembrance. We will have a new reality. We will see God and dwell with him forevermore and he with us. We, we will uh, see the faithfulness of God. We will see his integrity and uh, that he is a God that does not lie, that has not spoken falsehoods to his people when he promised, when he declared that he will bring his people into the new heaven and new earth. And so he speaks here to Noah as God will speak to the Lord Jesus Christ and to all in Christ, as this is spoken to Noah and also all on board the ark. Notice verse 16, go forth of the ark. Verse 17, at the beginning of the verse, bring forth with thee every living thing. Verse 18, and Noah went forth and his sons and his wife and his sons' wives with him. And then verse 19, every beast, every creeping thing, and every fowl, and whatsoever creepeth upon the earth after their kinds, went forth out of the ark. Do you, do you 
see that? Do you notice that four times, four times in four verses, God says, go forth, and they went forth. Go forth or went forth is mentioned in each verse, and we wonder why. You know, there's other words they could have used. Um, go out of the ark, come out, and and actually this word is translated sometimes went out. But this word, this particular word is used, go forth. And we can't help but see a similarity with that statement of God, go forth of the ark, with another statement of God in the New Testament, in the Gospel of John, in John chapter 11, it says, beginning in verse 39, Jesus said, take ye away the stone. Now the situation is that Lazarus is dead. He's been dead for four days. He's in the tomb. And, and Christ is commanding to take away the stone. Martha, the sister of him that was dead, saith unto him, Lord, by this time he stinketh, for he has been dead four days. And Jesus saith unto her, Say I not unto thee, that if thou wouldest believe, thou shouldest see the glory of God? Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me, and I knew that thou hearest me always, but because of the people which stand by, I said it, that they may believe that thou hast sent me. And when he thus had spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he that was dead came forth, bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was bound about with a napkin. Jesus saith unto them, Loose him and let him go. Now this is um historical record of an actual resurrection of a physically dead man, Lazarus, which points and illustrates God's work in saving the soul as well as God's work of resurrection at the time of the end. And and notice that Christ commands, Lazarus, come forth, just as God commanded, Noah, go forth, and your wife, and your sons, and their wives, and the animals, go forth. It's a command that is basically declaring uh, there will be a new resurrected body for the people of God, for God's sons and daughters, for the family of Christ, the family of Noah. There, there will be a resurrection of the dead as those in the graves rise up and there will be the resurrection of the dead bodies of even those that are living and whose bodies are seeing corruption. And they will all come forth to life, to new glorious life, life in body and soul, life forevermore. Thanks for joining us for eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies. You can hear these studies Monday through Friday over PalTalk, Skype, eBible Fellowship's webcast audio, or over your phone. 
For more information or to hear other studies, visit www.ebiblefellowship.com. Until our next study, may the Lord's perfect will be done.